Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time for Justice Matters with former federal prosecutor and MSNBC analyst, Glenn Kirshner. In this long-form podcast, Glenn has his weekly legal recap and his segment on criminal justice reform. He starts off by discussing the new reporting that Trump was caught on tape discussing classified documents and indicating he understood he retained material that was still classified. Thanks for joining me on the weekend edition of my Justice Matters audio podcast, where we take some time airing out the legal issues of the week, uh, reviewing them, putting them in context, trying to figure out what in the heck they mean, and then project where we might be going from here and trying to answer the question, will our legal hellscape turn the corner anytime soon and head in the direction of accountability? Well, friends, I'm going to make a bold prediction and I'm going to say the answer to that question is yes. We had a big week this past week on the legal development front. And frankly, I'm excited to talk about it. And I think we have bigger weeks ahead of us. And here's how I want to start today's discussion, friends. I think June will be the month. And I'll talk about why that is in a few minutes. Now, as you know, if you tune into my weekend long format podcasts, uh, we also try to take on some matter involving reform. Reforming what we know is broken in our government, right? We talk about real world, common sense, achievable reforms to what are often, you know, admittedly, uh, seemingly intractable problems. You know, I've talked about criminal justice reform previously. As a former 30-year federal prosecutor, I saw the criminal justice system from the inside in all its glory and in all its ugliness, in all its inefficiency, in all its inequality, smattered with some, you know, occasional fairness and decency and justice. Okay, that's a little bit of an overstatement. You know, friends, what I'll say is that the criminal justice system that I worked in was chock full of people of integrity. The people who populate the criminal justice system, most of them, not all of them, but certainly most of the ones that I got to know and I got to work with closely over the decades, um, were hardworking, honorable, caring, dedicated public servants. So in past episodes, we've talked about the need to reform certain aspects of the criminal justice system. For example, the intake process. That would be 
on the front end of the criminal justice process. After an arrest is made and that arrest, that case is promptly brought to the prosecutors, what do the prosecutors do with that case when it is presented to them by the police in the hours after the arrest? I've spoken at length about how we need to do something other than give the prosecutors the binary choice of either putting that person in the system or kicking that person to the street. I've also talked about criminal justice reform on the back end, that is, after someone has served their sentence and they are re-entering society, what should we do as a society, as a criminal justice system, to help ex-offenders succeed when they re-enter society instead of setting them up for failure? Well, today I want to sort of pull back to 30,000 feet and talk about criminal justice reform writ large. Why we do what we do in the criminal justice arena and how we do what we do in the criminal justice arena and how, in my opinion, our priorities have become so screwed up. And I want to use as a vehicle for this 30,000-foot discussion how Donald Trump and his criminal associates have been handled for the past six going on seven years. To say they've been handled with kid gloves is not just an understatement but a misstatement because they haven't been handled at all. Not a single solitary minute of accountability. The criminal justice system, in my opinion, has failed to deliver timely accountability. Therefore, the criminal justice system has failed in delivering timely justice. And I want to talk about how we can reshape the priorities of the criminal justice system and how, in my opinion, we should reshape the priorities of the criminal justice system and approach law enforcement differently when it comes to how we do what we do and why we do what we do. Okay, friends, that feels like an ill-defined introduction, <laughs> but, but it's the best I've got at the moment. Okay, we'll dig into the reform topic shortly, but right now let's start with our legal recap because, you know, it was a pretty consequential week on the legal front. So let's turn to our first story. And just when you thought the evidence of Donald Trump's crimes couldn't possibly get any more dramatic, you ready for this? Donald Trump seems to have violated the Espionage Act. There's an audio recording showing Donald Trump very likely violated the espionage laws of our country. So friends, I don't want to bury the lead. Here is the top line reporting from CNN, which broke the story. Federal prosecutors have obtained an audio recording of a summer 2021 meeting in which former President Donald Trump acknowledges he held on to a classified Pentagon document about a potential attack on Iran. 
multiple sources told CNN, and this undercuts his argument that he declassified everything. So friends, this audio tape directly contradicts Donald Trump's claim that he declassified everything with his mind. It directly contradicts his claim that when he took all these documents from the White House, somehow they were automatically and magically declassified. Automatic declassification is not a thing. Telepathic declassification is not a thing. And the reporting in this CNN story and the stories that followed reveal that Donald Trump had this classified document about a possible attack on a foreign country, and he was waving it around in front of people, people who had no security clearance, people who had no right to hear about a single word that was contained in that classified document. And Donald Trump thereby mishandled national defense information in violation of the Espionage Act. So why is this story so important? Well, let me first say this, friends. You know, as excited as I was to learn that prosecutors have an audio recording that in substance shows Donald Trump committed espionage, more precisely, he seems to have violated the espionage laws of our nation that are found in chapter 37 of Title 18 of the United States Code for those of you scoring at home. As excited as I was to learn that Donald Trump very likely was caught on an audio recording violating our nation's espionage laws, my initial reaction, even though I think it's fair to say I'm a glass half full kind of guy, I try to remain optimistic without lapsing into Pollyanna-ism, my initial reaction was, oh, another smoking gun. I wonder if the FBI agents and the federal prosecutors will just throw it on the pile of smoking guns that they have against Donald Trump. Because the Department of Justice has a veritable arsenal full of smoking guns proving that Donald Trump has committed crime after crime after crime after crime. Yes, I could go on. And DOJ thus far has not been inspired, has not been moved to charge Donald Trump with a single one of the crimes he's committed. So, yes, it's blockbuster reporting, but will it prod DOJ into wakefulness? Okay, that was snarky, I know, I know. DOJ has been working. And frankly, Jack Smith, special prosecutor, and his prosecution team in particular have been working their butts off. They've been moving at light speed. They've been investigating in scorched earth fashion. And let me hasten to add, friends, you know, I've said this before, that some people accuse me of criticizing Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice too much. Some accuse me of criticizing Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice too little. But I always try to add that the prosecutors, the federal prosecutors at the DC U.S. Attorney's Office, 
who are in court every day trying cases involving the insurrectionists that Donald Trump ordered to attack the Capitol, on January 6th, those prosecutors are public servant heroes. Not only do I know so many of them, in fact, I tried the first murder cases with some of them when I was chief of homicide and they were in the homicide section at the DC US Attorney's Office, but I've sat through Oath Keepers trials and Proud Boys trials and I watched them try these cases. I watched them represent the interests of we the people, the American people. And not only in the Oath Keepers trials and the Proud Boys trial, there are so many other trials that are ongoing in federal court in Washington, D.C. every single day that are garnering little media attention. But boy, the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office, the federal prosecutors, holding those insurrectionists accountable day in and day out are doing remarkable work on behalf of the American people. And I never want to forget about that. I never want us to forget about that, even when I'm criticizing DOJ for not moving out quickly enough against the hierarchy of the insurrection, the command structure of the insurrection. But the fact does remain that while the boots of the insurrection, Donald Trump's foot soldiers, they're going to prison every single day, the suits of the insurrection, the command structure, the hierarchy, the ruling class criminals are out there playing golf and attending dinner parties and holding fundraising events and they continue to grift their own base the hierarchy, the command structure of the insurrection has not seen one minute of accountability for their crimes. So yes, this new reporting about Donald Trump violating our nation's espionage laws is smoking gun evidence. It's important. And will it prompt the Department of Justice to move promptly to indict him? You know, violating our nation's espionage laws is a crime that is so easily proven if this reporting about being caught on audio tape is accurate. And it's a crime that is so dangerous that it is just too big not to indict. So let me say this again, friends, at my own peril. You know, predicting the timing of criminal charges in a large-scale investigation, and I've conducted plenty of large-scale investigations. Predicting the timing of charges or the timing of an indictment is kind of like predicting a jury's verdict. It's a fool's errand. So friends, let me be foolish for a minute and say June will be the month. Because espionage is too big not to indict, particularly when you caught the traitor on audio tape. So yes, that is the biggest story of the week, of the month, maybe of the year. And I strongly suspect it is the legal development that will break the DOJ logjam that has thus far kept DOJ from indicting Donald Trump or a single solitary member of the ruling class criminals. So, yeah, 
it's kind of a big deal. Coming up, more Republicans are throwing their names into the 2024 presidential hat. Do they think Trump is going down in flames? This is Justice Matters. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Many Republican politicians are suddenly saying they're running for president. Are they predicting Trump's demise? Here's Glenn. Okay, so friends, let's turn to what I actually see as a related story. But this one is more of a political story, really, than a legal development. But I think it actually informs where we are on the legal front. Lots of Republicans are throwing their hat in the ring running for the Republican nomination for president. I mean, in recent days, we've had Ron DeSantis and Chris Christie and Tim Scott and Mike Pence all saying that they are either in the race or they will soon announce that they are entering the race for the Republican nomination for president. Why is it that all of a sudden You know, all these weak little politicians are saying, me too, me too. I want to compete for the Republican nomination. Friends, it's because they smell blood in the water. They smell blood in the political water. They've made the calculation that Donald Trump is done. They can sense Donald Trump's political demise. And why are they sensing Donald Trump's political demise? I think it's because of Donald Trump's pending legal demise. Okay, now I'm not a political expert, nor do I try to play one on TV, but that is the way I read the flood of Republican politicians who all of a sudden have thrown their hat into the presidential ring. And when it comes to smelling blood in the political water, and when it comes to sensing Donald Trump's demise, they're not wrong. Donald Trump is going down. So let these hateful little Republican politicians populate, you know, indeed overpopulate the presidential field. None of them will win the presidency, in my opinion. Because the Republican Party has proved it is both unworthy of and incapable of governing our great nation. And let's use that as a segue into our next legal update topic. Why are today's Republicans unworthy of governing? Well, 
Let's turn to Pardon Palooza. Because there were stories this week about how Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis want to pardon the people who attacked the Capitol, want to pardon the people who beat law enforcement officers. Some were beaten into unconsciousness. Some died in the immediate aftermath of January 6th. They want to pardon the people who destroyed the halls of Congress, who defecated in the halls of Congress, smearing it on the walls. They want to pardon the people who hunted for politicians. They want to pardon the people who were chanting, hang Mike Pence, which remember, Donald Trump was okay with. Let's never forget that Mark Meadows said, I tried to get Trump to call off the attack, but you know, He told me he kind of agreed with the rioters. I told him they're saying they want to hang Mike Pence, and Donald Trump said they're not wrong. Mike Pence didn't have the courage to stop the certification, so I'm not going to stop the Capitol attack. And Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis want to pardon these violent criminals, want to pardon These people who tried to stop the transfer of presidential power want to pardon the people who tried to overthrow our democracy. People who tried to keep a president in power even though the American people had voted him out, right? He had lost the election by all accounts, including the accounts of Trump's own executive branch officials and agencies. Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis have pledged to pardon them. And as if that weren't bad enough, friends, after Donald Trump pledged to pardon, quote, a large portion of the people convicted of federal offenses for their attack on the Capitol on January 6th, Ron DeSantis chimed in, you know, like the little bully who looks up to the big bully the little bully who wants to impress the big bully and who wants to emulate the big bully. Ron DeSantis said, me too, me too. Look at me, I'm gonna pardon them too. In fact, here's what Ron DeSantis said in his own words. What I'm going to do on day one is I will have folks that will get together and look at all these cases, the people who were victims of weaponization or political targeting, meaning those who attacked the Capitol, is what he was talking about on January 6th, quote, and we will be aggressive in issuing pardons. And then DeSantis went one step further and said that he may pardon Donald Trump too. So, Why is the Republican Party unworthy of governing? Because they are expressly running on a platform of lawlessness and violence and sedition. And that is why they will fail spectacularly in November 2024. Coming up, Glenn puts together the many new clues of Trump's classified documents case. This is Justice Matters.
As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. New evidence that the Department of Justice is gathering on the Mar-a-Lago classified documents case is slowly emerging. Glenn says he's beginning to see how this will play out. Okay, friends, the last legal recap story, and this one is a beauty. It involves what may be the most dysfunctional criminal defense team ever, Donald Trump's lawyers. You know, there was a series of stories that unfolded in recent days about what Donald Trump's defense attorneys have been up to And let me just summarize this one and try to assemble the puzzle pieces quickly. First of all, defense attorney Evan Corcoran is the one who was compelled to testify in the grand jury. He tried not to. He tried to assert all kinds of privileges. Donald Trump tried to assert all kinds of privileges to stop Corcoran from having to testify. But Special Counsel Jack Smith defeated every asserted privilege, and Evan Corcoran was compelled to testify. And among other things, we now know, courtesy of some new reporting, that Corcoran testified that when he was trying to conduct a search of Mar-a-Lago for classified documents so they could be returned to the federal government, he was blocked from searching Donald Trump's office. He was waved off. He was steered away from searching Donald Trump's office. Then, unfortunately, Corcoran had the poor judgment of drafting a certification letter anyway, telling the Department of Justice, it's all been returned. You've got it all. We've conducted a diligent search, all the while knowing he was blocked from searching Donald Trump's office. Well, that was story number one. Story number two revealed that there was evidence that Trump's criminal cabal at Mar-a-Lago, or what I am referring to these days as the Mar-a-Lago Mafia, conducted dress rehearsals. Dress rehearsals involving moving the boxes of classified documents around to hide them, to secrete them, to conceal them, because they wanted to be prepared if DOJ came a-calling, wanting all the documents back that Donald Trump had stolen. They were conducting dress rehearsals, trial runs, how to best move the boxes, And then, friends, they put those trial runs into action because the reporting showed that on the very day before FBI agents and DOJ officials arrived at Mar-a-Lago in June of 2022 to collect up the classified documents, they moved the boxes. The Mar-a-Lago mafia moved the boxes. Why? Well, I think we can reasonably infer that it was to conceal them from 
the DOJ and the FBI officials because they did, in fact, conceal them when the FBI and DOJ officials came a calling in June. How do we know they concealed them? Well, two months later in August, a federal judge issued a search warrant for Mar-a-Lago because the judge found there was probable cause that three separate federal crimes had been committed, including a violation of the Espionage Act, there's the E word again, and that evidence of those crimes would be found at Mar-a-Lago. And indeed, when that search warrant was executed in August, when the FBI searched Mar-a-Lago, they found classified documents, including in Donald Trump's office, indeed in his desk drawers. So what we know is the dress rehearsal, the trial run, worked in temporarily hiding the documents from the FBI in June because they were recovered in August. They were recovered as evidence of crime. And the third related story, friends, in recent days, one of Donald Trump's defense attorneys, a guy named Tim Parlatore, quit Team Trump and gave an interview to CNN. And what Parlatore said was one of the reasons he quit was because one of Donald Trump's other lawyers was interfering in our searches for classified documents. Interfering. Who was that lawyer? Boris Epstein. Boris Epstein was interfering with other attorneys who were representing Donald Trump who were trying to conduct a diligent search to return all classified documents to the federal government. And that interference caused Tim Parlatore to quit Team Trump and out Boris Epstein. And friends, this story reinforces what I'm sure you have all heard before. I'd love to know who to attribute it to, who first came up with it. But it becomes clearer by the day that MAGA, M-A-G-A, these days stands for Make Attorneys Get Attorneys because Boris better have himself one heck of a good criminal defense attorney. Coming up next, Glenn talks about how he thinks we can reform the criminal justice system. This is Justice Matters. Many larger level companies and corporations seem to get away with crimes, while the lower level common people seem to always pay the price. How can we even the score? Here's Glenn. Okay, friends, let's turn to the related discussion of criminal justice reform. You know, I've got to hand it to the criminal justice system because it does one thing pretty well. It arrests and prosecutes aggressively the powerless, the poor, the disenfranchised, the folks who don't enjoy the perks of power and privilege and influence and connections. You know, if you sell a rock a crack or you shoplift a stick of deodorant from a CVS or you snatch a purse or you steal a car, chances are the system's gonna get you. But 
If you're a member of the ruling class, or you're a member of a subset of the ruling class, that is the ruling class criminals, and you victimize enormous swaths of the public, if you criminally take advantage of huge segments of the American population, and if you have the kind of money and power and influence and connections that enable you to hire the best criminal defense attorneys and work all the angles and exploit your connections, well, chances are pretty good that you'll get away with your crimes. You know, we are forever hearing politicians pledge, safe streets, they're gonna make the streets safe for the American people. But how often do you hear politicians pledge that they're gonna make the economic marketplace in America safe for the American people? That they're gonna make the banking industry safe for the American people? They're gonna make the insurance industry and insurance practices safe for the American People. They're going to make the pharmaceutical landscapes safe for the American people. They're going to make big oil safe for the American people and big tech safe for the American people. Well, you know, friends, big pharma, big oil, big banking, big tech, big insurance, and I don't mean to leave any of the major offenders out, but those industries and organizations do a hell of a lot more damage to a hell of a lot more people. They victimize large swaths of the American people. They do a hell of a lot more damage than someone who sells a rock a crack, or shoplifts a stick of deodorant, or steals a car, or snatches a purse. Now, friends, don't get me wrong. Let me hasten to add that if you have your car stolen, your purse snatched, or your wallet lifted, you're a victim, and it can be traumatic. Indeed, it can be a devastating event. I know because I prosecuted more cases than I will ever be able to count. And each one, each case, you know, had victims. Some were direct victims, some were indirect victims. When I say indirect, you know, a drug transaction between two willing participants may not feel like the kind of crime that has a direct victim, but look, the illegal drug trade creates victims in so many ways, right? It, it inspires violence. It can destroy neighborhoods. It results in horrific addictions, you know, that in a very real sense victimize the people who suffer from addiction. But if we forever prioritize and focus on those relatively minor crimes, and we forever fail or refuse to focus on the ruling class criminals, the American oligarchs who victimize enormous swaths of the American population, whether it's big pharma, big insurance, big tech, big oil, big banking, etc. you know, not only will we not progress as a nation, but we will continue to be a nation in decline. And I say that with no glee, with no satisfaction. A nation in decline. Because I love America. I love this land of opportunity, but increasingly, friends, 
you know, it is opportunity only for the rich, the wealthy, the powerful, the influential, the connected, for the ruling class, criminals, and you know, everybody else can just go straight to hell. That seems to be reinforced in the priorities that we set in our criminal justice system. That is most vividly exemplified by the deep inequality and injustice that is at play every minute of every day in America right now regarding those responsible for the insurrection. The people who Donald Trump ordered to attack the Capitol on January 6th, and let me add, I don't say that casually or cavalierly that Donald Trump ordered the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. I mean, let's just briefly recap the available evidence. Donald Trump recruited people to attack the Capitol. Hey, Proud Boys, stand by. Await my further orders. Donald Trump set the date for the Capitol attack. Come to D.C. on January 6th will be wild. Donald Trump whipped the crowd up into a violent frenzy on the morning of January 6th by lying to them over and over again about their vote being stolen, their election being rigged, their president being unlawfully taken from them. Donald Trump was briefed on the fact that there were people in the crowd that morning with firearms, to which he responded, I don't care. Take down the effing metal detectors. Let them in. They're not here to hurt me, and then we can all march to the Capitol together. And then he told that angry mob, you got to fight like hell or you won't have a country anymore. Now go down there to the Capitol and stop the certification. Stop the steal. So let me say it again, friends. The people Donald Trump ordered to attack the Capitol on January 6th are going to prison every day. But the ruling class criminals, both in and out of Congress, who participated in the insurrection, who gave aid and comfort to the insurrection, who continue to try to destroy our democracy, the hierarchy of the insurrection, the command structure of the insurrection, the criminals of privilege and influence and power and wealth, not one of them has had one moment of accountability visit them. That is a deep injustice at play every minute of every day. And it says something, indeed it says everything, about our criminal justice priorities in America. And yes, it gets me angry and exercised, and frustrated, the injustice of it. So if we care, if we really care about true criminal justice reform, you know what we would do? We would revisit our priorities. We would pay less attention to the low-level street crime and more attention to the ruling class criminals who victimize enormous swaths of the American people. We would focus on the worst white-collar offenders. You know them. The folks who year after year are caught 
in their companies, in their corporations, in their businesses, engaging in all sorts of fraud and theft at the expense of the little guy and the little gal, right? That is what industries often do, whether it's pharma, oil, tech, banking, insurance, etc. They engage in massive fraud and corruption and theft. And when caught, how often are they prosecuted? Rarely. You know what happens? They're made to pay fines and penalties and back taxes. They enter into non-prosecution agreements and they promise to clean up their acts. And after paying out millions or billions of dollars to the federal government and pledging never to do it again, they then go right out and do it again. You know why? Because they're not prosecuted. Because they're not held accountable. And you know what they do, friends? They work those massive fines and penalties into their operating budget. It's nothing more than an annual expense on their corporate ledger, right? They pass those losses on to their customers. That would be you and me. And they often go right back to their criming ways until they're caught again. And they pay their way out of it again. And they pass the cost on to their customers again. And the little guy always gets effed. And big business almost always gets a pass. You think it's time for us to rethink our priorities? You think it's time we use the criminal justice system to go after the powerful and not just the powerless? You know, it can be done, friends. It can be done, but we have to have the kind of people who are willing to do it, who are willing to stand up to the powerful, even at the risk of losing campaign donations from the powerful, which is probably the sticking point in all of this, isn't it, friends? But if we don't show some determination to do better, if we just continue to allow the system to you know, beat up on the powerless and give a pass to the powerful? Well, then how in the hell can we expect to build a more perfect union? One that is fair to everyone. You know, I know you're saying, Glenn, it ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna happen. Well, if we take the attitude that it ain't gonna happen, then it ain't gonna happen. But I, for one, think we should fight like hell to make it happen. Because justice matters. Friends, as always, thank you for joining me on my weekend long format podcast. If you want to know where else you can find me, if you haven't had enough of me by now, you can find me over on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook uh, at Glenn Kirshner 2 You can come to my YouTube channel, Justice Matters with Glenn Kirshner. I post a legal analysis video there every day, seven days a week. If you make your way over to my YouTube channel, I hope you'll subscribe. It's always free to subscribe. 
You can also find me on patreon.com. And if you want to more formally support our all-volunteer efforts here at Justice Matters, you can go over to patreon.com, sign up to become a patron. And if you do, I'll send you some Team Justice and Justice Matters stickers and a personal handwritten note of thanks because we couldn't do this without your support. And finally, you can find me at my website, glennkirshner.com. Feel free to go and drop me a message there. I read all of the messages that come in. I don't always get to respond because there are quite a few, and I thank you all for that, and I appreciate each and every one. But those are some of the places you can find me. And as always, friends, please stay safe. Please stay tuned. And I look forward to talking with you all again soon.